Canucks Central Tuesday. It's Dan Richo and Satyar Shaw. We're here in the Kintech studio. Canucks Central is for Enzyme Pacific, Vancouver's premier Chrysler, Dodge, Ram, and Jeep Superstore on 2nd Avenue between Camby and Maine, or at EnzymePacificChrysler.ca. It is uh, another busy program today. We've got Irfan Gaffar, Tuesday Insider, joining us. And then uh, we'll check in with the Blues and L.A. Kings a little bit later on. As, uh, well, Pierre-Luc Dubois now getting called out by yet another coach. It just seems like uh, Groundhog Day for PLD. But uh, this time it's Todd McClellan with the L.A. Kings, who have now lost 11 of 13. And ho-hum, your Vancouver Canucks just cannot stop winning, Sat. Mm. Yeah, I mean, uh, all they do is win. Um, no matter they, what. No matter what, obviously. <laughs> but also, like, they're so unbothered against the Blackhawks. Yes. I, I know some people were somewhat stressed about some of the chances they gave up, but it was like literally two or three chances the whole game. And they were mostly on... On, uh, the power play, I yeah. guess, for, for Chicago. It was the Blackwell break in the third. Yeah. That was a good chance. Um, and outside of that, like, it really wasn't. And I mean, Chicago was working hard. They were giving it everything they could. <laughs> but it was like, you know, when you're playing a sport against your younger brother, they're trying their yeah. hardest, but you kind of just like keep your arm out just at arm's length. Yeah, yeah whatever. And just kind of have your way. That's what it was you know, like last the, night was. It was like the Canucks in the first couple of years of the Travis Green era, where they worked really hard. Yeah, it's a good and, if they were going up against a good team, you know, by the third period, it would just be like, okay. You're like, oh, that's cute. Yeah. You know. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? Like, this is kind of the thing. Over 82, you're going to have to manage some games, especially if you're a good team. Yeah. And it felt like they managed last night's game. And it worked you know? out well. I mean... They won. That's They won. They rolled four lines and nobody got injured. It's so funny. You know, it's it's like it's it's almost like it's a preseason game kind uh, of thing. I mean, honestly, it had all the intensity of a preseason game in like Salt Lake City. Yeah. You know, like that that's kind of what it felt like. And and then the crowd was happy and, and they were celebrating, having a good time, but on the ice it never really felt like it was contentious at, at, at any real point in the game. Yeah. And it's it's really funny that some of the excuses that would come up at times and when the team was struggling was like, hey, well, it's a long schedule. Uh, you know, sometimes a letdown happens or whatever. And it's like, well, you know, you, you really can't have those excuses yeah. because you're not a good team. Like you have to find a way to win every game you can and you just can't afford to have that mentality. But when you're good enough and you're having the success this team is having and they've really started really forging that identity of how to play as a team, where to be, what to do, yeah. and it's second nature. So even when their intensity is at like a six, they're still executing the same game plan. Yes. You know, and as long as you're executing the same game plan and then it becomes ingrained in how you play, your muscle memory in so many ways, even when you don't have it, you're still doing your thing. And that's kind of what it was last night, right? Yeah. And o o over the course of a long season, you're going to have peaks and valleys mm -hmm. in performance and energy and strength or difficulty of schedule and all these sort of things. And it makes it hard for you. When, you, when you've won as much as the Canucks have, and they have a game like that last night, you're like, oh, that's fine. Yeah. Like, you, you're, you, there's there's no concern about it because they've earned the benefit of doubt. You know, uh, the the way I know a lot of people are saying, uh, hey, the lotto line didn't play well. They've got to get going. And sure, we were saying that yesterday too. And they, they do have to get going at some point, right? You can't keep those guys together if they're not going to produce or even, you know, carry play when they are on the ice, especially at five on five. But it just didn't feel like... A game to really truly evaluate them on no I, I, it was hard to have a a big takeaway yeah outside of the one a lot of people were excited about besides thatcher demko picking up his fifth shutout of course andre kuzmenko looking alive and that's what it's 
kind of been lately. It's like, okay, well, if our top guys aren't going, somebody else is going to step up, right? And you've had Nils Hoglander have some big games, Garland have some big games, Joshua have some big moments. And now last night was was Kuz, Kuzmenko's turn. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, uh, I, I we had the discussion about Kuzmenko yesterday on yeah. the show and how, like, okay, he had a couple of good shifts against the Leafs. That's, that's nice, but I still need to see more. And last night, you know, it, it kind of felt like um, – a star player in a beer league kind of having fun with a, a team that's not very good. And that's that was Kuzmenko last night. And I think for his psyche, just that that backhand pass that he made that got to Suter. You could almost feel the confidence like oozing out of him after that. Yeah, and I think that was good for him, you know. And hey, listen, strength of competition and all that, of course. And I don't think uh, as much as they were trying to do the right thing, the Blackhawks. They didn't defend it all that great you yep. know, to even allow that pass to get through. But regardless, Kuzmenko took advantage. He started feeling the vibes afterwards. And I know we, we hyper-analyze him, like you mentioned, but I do think it is encouraging now that he's stringing together a couple of games. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and he built off of what he did the last game. Now, it wasn't perfect. There was a time uh, in the third where he was messing around with the puck too much around the blue line, overhandling it instead of just, you know, moving the yeah. puck up. And, you know, Tockett had a few words for him when he got onto the bench. So it's still not perfect there for him. But I do think there's an earnest effort for, for him to do the right things. I think he's buying into doing what's necessary. And the fact that he has some real confident moments and had a bottom line result yeah. by impacting the game, I think bodes well for him right now. And, you know, you could kind of tell how worried Rick Tockett was about losing that game when he's putting Kuzmenko out there in the last couple minutes yeah. with a lead, which is something we really haven't seen at all this season. But you know what? You look at the rest of this week, you have St. Louis tomorrow. I know they are the last team to beat the Canucks in regulation. They are 8-0-1 since they lost to St. Louis. That started that long road trip, but still not a very good team. Mm-hmm. Like You can see Kuzmenko having success. And then Columbus on Saturday before you head out for the break. Yeah. So there's opportunities here to keep it going if you're Andre Kuzmenko. And they kind of need it in a lot of different ways, but it's still very much... A Kuzmenko sighting has happened at Rogers Arena. Let's see if it uh, sticks beyond this because it's really the only line that hasn't really clicked so far in the last little while. Yeah, and they, they finally showed a little something, right? And even Andre, uh, even Ilya Mikheyev, yep. I thought was better uh, in that game. And we still, he needs to play a bit better too. I, I understand a lot of people uh, have been frustrated with his lack of production and they, they say, hey, for all the talk around Kuzmenko, how about Mikheyev? And I don't think it's been unfair necessarily. I do think he does a lot of positives. I think his return to the PKs really helped as we outlined before to yesterday on the show but that line showed it a little something right and the fact that they were able to finish off because there was the Buffalo game I think they created some good chances Mm -hmm. I think they had the Pittsburgh I think they created a couple chances so I think they've been lively they just haven't been rewarded for it and and maybe this gets gets them going and I wonder if the fact they had a good game and they feel pretty good about how Kuzmenko is trending goes into the thought process of keeping the lotto line together for now as uh, that's what we saw at practice today the lotto line staying together and uh they debuted the metallic helmets. They are not chrome domes. They are metallic helmets. I'm, I'm excited to see them uh, in the game. Tomorrow? Tomorrow. I am. I am. Like, to me, they look pretty cool. Yeah? Yeah. They, <laughs> I mean, they, yeah, they look nice in the pictures. Sure. Yeah, they look I mean, cool. I like it. It's, it's fine. Try something different. I'm yeah. more of a matte black helmet guy. Yeah, everyone wants to be Batman. I get it. <laughs> I do think Matt Blue would have looked good, too. Matt Blue, hey? Yeah. Yeah. Go full Matt. 
producer Josh Elliott will full Matt. I don't know. Um, now JT Miller had a pretty good line about it and, uh, <laughs> it was the most Miller answer of all time. Like, I don't think I could have predicted Miller saying anything different when asked about how he feels about the metallic blue helmets. Yeah. They're shiny. Did you like them? Nah. No, we just were where we were what we're told. To wear. So good thing I good thing I can't see it during the game. Uh, good uh, thing you can't see them in the game. What do you mean? Like all your teammates are going to be wearing? Them. Yeah, I don't no understand. Kidding. But you're not going to be looking at anybody. Thatch did follow up with him and said that he was like, "Well, all your teammates are going to be wearing them," and he was like, "Ah, it's fine. That's yeah, fine. It's whatever. <laughs> whatever. I'll wear them. I, uh, I I will say I'd love to see the Canucks wear these helmets with their away whites. Not like don't just wear them with your home blue. You know, we're do the color whites. glass, wear, like wear it with the, with the white away whites and you have the blue helmet. Like some teams cool. have started doing this. I know the Hurricanes do I don't it, mind doing it. Yeah, do Where it. they have the, the white and they have a red helmet. So, I, like, I don't understand why the, if you're wearing a white jersey, the helmet has to be white. I, just, I, I don't disagree with that. I think that's cool. You know, I mean, I, 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 I think it's a cool. color pop. I think the color looks good. I think the color pops. And I'm, again, I, I want to see what it looks like in a game. Because maybe I'll watch them. Okay, this looks doesn't look really good. But off the top, I'm like, you know what? That, that could be cool. Like yeah. it's it's a nice color. It really is a nice color. It looks better than LA and Vegas. Yeah, at least that's the bar. Yeah, like uh, honestly, I feel like I'm watching um, like a futuristic like Tron or something when I'm watching the LA Kings wear that <laughs> helmet. Uh, there's a lot of things that look better than the uh, than the Vegas Golden Knights and the LA Kings right now. Bruce Cassidy called the Vegas Golden Knights a, a beer league team last night. Beer league team, yeah. That's about as, like, I know Tockett called the Canucks soft after, well, he did, but he didn't, but he kind of did. He called them soft yeah. after that first Philly game early on in the season. Um, and now you have uh, Bruce Cassidy being like, we're playing like a beer league team. <laughs> the intensity of a beer league team. Well, they <laughs> they haven't been great recently. I mean, the Canucks have opened up an eight-point lead on them in yes. the standings. Eight points. And they have, they have the same amount of games played. And uh, LA's lost 11 of 13. Yeah. Edmonton is like second in points percentage now in the division. It's pretty pretty wild. It is pretty crazy. How things have changed. But that's uh, what's going to happen when you have a 13-game uh, win streak. Now, you know, everything about this team uh, is sort of under the cloud of what they could do at the trade deadline. Yeah. Set. Well, and I think in, in relation to what we saw last night and we saw Andre Kuzmenko play well, the biggest thing, question around him is, organizationally, where are they with Andre Kuzmenko? Yeah. Are they at a point where they still think it can work, and if it works, he's going to be here? Or are they determined to use him as some sort of make weight in a trade, or for, for him to be part of a salary clearing move, for them to go out and make the additions they want to make? We've outlined this yesterday. Yeah. Unless you're exploiting LTIR until the end of the season with Carson Soucy, it's very difficult, if not impossible, for them to add a player without subtracting somebody off the roster. Yeah. So, where is Kuzmenko? That's the big question to me. Is he going to be a guy who's that they're actually looking at and saying, is he going to fit, or are they moving him? Because if they're not moving him, then your options are very limited in terms of what you can do. Yeah. It doesn't mean you can't make moves, but you can maybe add a Lindholm at half retained. Which seems unlikely. It would be expensive. I'm not yes. saying they won't do it, but that's the type of move you're, you're talking about. So where Lindholm they, would be what 
just under two and a half if they retained 2.25. He's yeah. at 4.5, 2.25. So uh, right now they have about, about 1.9 in cap. Yeah. So if you if you swap Hoaglander out, for instance, yeah. you can make that work, right? Like, yeah. There are ways for you to make that work in keeping Kuzmenko. But if you're not, if you want to keep Hoaglander and Kuzmenko, it's very difficult. Like you're not able to make a big addition. So where are they at with Kuzmenko? That's the big question I have. Does he even have enough time at this point to change their minds? And that's what you wonder. That it's already kind of not not that they've determined they're going to move him. It's but hard like, to get away from Jim Rutherford's comment last week. You know, he's going to score goals whether it's with us or another team. Yeah. And do they have the actual patience and belief in yeah. working here? Because you see him play and. You know, there's just a, a God-given talent that not a lot of players have. And when he's playing with confidence, he'll try some things and do some things that just other players, quite frankly, cannot do. No. But he just hasn't played with confidence at all this season. No. Now, is it a sophomore slump, given it is his second year in the National Hockey League and first with a coach that's really honing in and really a stickler about all the details he wants his players to play with, and he hasn't had that in the NHL? And I'm sure it's a lot like, you know, they play with a lot of structure in in Europe, but um, it's different. It's different, especially with the the different size ice as well. He's playing two full fewer minutes this year compared to last year. Last yeah. year was sixteen fifteen. This year fourteen twenty seven. So almost a full two minutes. But with all the struggles, shooting thirteen percent versus twenty seven point three percent, healthy scratches and everything. He has eight goals and thirteen assists for twenty-one points in forty-one games, which put which put him would put him on pace for sixteen goals and forty-two points. Now that's not five million, five and a half million dollar production. No, but it, this is essentially rock bottom for him as a player, the lowest of the low points, and we're still talking about he's at a half a point per game. Yeah, that to your point, he's still a very talented hockey player. There's something there very clearly that when it clicks and if he can figure some stuff out, he's going to score a lot of points. And yep. I think. Uh, uh, Rutherford is absolutely right. It's just, is he actually? Gonna, do they feel like it can work with the coach too? And if you don't think that's going to work, you kind of have to move on. Yeah. Before it's too late. But is I, what they're trying to figure out, and maybe what they've already decided: is this a player we can win with, or is this a guy that can score goals on a team that's you know bottom half of the standings, right? Or a guy that can score goals during the season, but in the playoffs. Hard to trust yeah. because games are so tight. Any little mistake will get microscoped, and that's a problem. As long as Kuzmenko's here, you know, the, when you look at the possibility of Jake Gensel, and, and this is like, honestly, this trade market right now, and it, and it might be slim. It, it might be uh, one thing that's working in Andre Kuzmenko's favor is just how thin this trade market is right now, you know. They don't have a ton of options when they're looking at the trade market. Certainly not obvious options. But if you think of a Gensel deal, they've probably got to move out Andre Kuzmenko in order to acquire a Jake Gensel. Lindholm, somewhat possible without moving out salary, but that's also dependent on Calgary's willingness to retain yeah. for the rest of this season. Uh, Tanev, Hannafin, Tarasenko, Henrique... Um, you know, Anthony Mantha is an unrestricted free agent. It's bleak out there with the options you have as far as rentals go. 
Now, maybe Pavel Buchnevich is somebody that could be interesting. We'll talk to Matthew DeFranks a little bit later on in the show. He's with the St. Louis Blues. Yeah. You know, that's a player we've talked about. But you look at this trade market. You know, I feel like I'm on the beach with one of those like treasure finder things, and I'm like, <laughs> I keep looking, and I'm not finding anything. When is this thing going to start beeping? It doesn't work. And it's like you go over the same rock again. It's yes. like I, I swear I looked at this, but let me just double check again. <laughs> it's like me looking at these players, like Mike Hoffman. Let me look at Mike Hoffman again. I, oh, I know he no. sucks this year, but oh, no, he, he doesn't suck. He's an NHL player. I know he's having a really tough year, but let me see if it's changed within the last twenty four hours. Oh no, it hasn't. He no. still only has like thirteen points in forty games. This is this is my process. You know, in the morning I have my morning spro and I start looking through some of the news bits and and I'm listening to Elliot Friedman on the Jeff Merrick show while I'm going through cat friend and it's like all right let's let's look to see who i can uncover as a potential trade target and the same names come up every single day it is and i mean and some of the names that are more long term that like, okay like hey uh this guy might be a more longer term fit it doesn't really fit for what the team is trying to get like trevor zegris for instance yeah that's not to say he's not a young center who isn't supremely talented but again the profile of what this team is trying to be and what they're trying to do does zegris fit I'm not sure he does, right? Yeah. But you can talk yourself into who's a talented player, right? So, so maybe him, but doesn't quite st- stylistically and need-wise for this team quite fit and align. The other big one is Jacob Chikrin, but he's a lefty defenseman on a big contract. Doesn't really make sense for where Vancouver's going either. No. So it's one of those things where even the guys that are available that are, hey, these guys are, are longer-term fits, don't quite fit Vancouver yet. And that's why I just hope that something breaks open here with the team. Now, we talk about the Buffalo Sabres, even the Ottawa Senators. Yeah. And I, do they finally decide, like, hey, maybe we, we do have to move a Casey Middlestad if you're Buffalo. Or, like, hey, maybe we, we do consider taking some calls on D- uh, Dylan Cousins. I'm, I'm not saying they would, but yes. let's just, do they get to a point where they do that? And then you're like, okay, that's a guy you chase hard at the deadline. But until this point, and we're sitting here now January 23rd, no such player that has a long-term outlook is available that fits what Vancouver was looking for. No, and look, in fairness, we didn't we didn't know Philip Ronick was going to be available last year, and then the Canucks came out of nowhere and made that trade using the pick that they got uh, from the Bo Horvat deal with the New York Islanders. So maybe something shakes loose like that. But as it stands right now, a couple of things are happening. You know, the 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 standings are so truncated right now, especially around the wild card yeah. spots that. Now, I know Nashville, I was listening to Barry Trotz today on, on the Merrick show as well, and you know he sounds like he's pretty much going to be trading guys away at the deadline. Like He still understands that you know he's building a team two, three, four years out from now. Yeah. So they're somebody that's in sell mode, but you know, a lot of these teams that are in sell mode and a lot of the unrestricted free agents, the rental types just aren't all that interesting right now they're not and i mean and honestly that's why you know i mentioned this guy before we talked about him before you mentioned nashville like tommy novak but again it's, it's not the most the sexiest name now how it makes sense is he's 26 years old on 800 on 800k salary yeah so let's say that Bit of a heavier player you know and yeah and you you don't need to trade kuzmenko to get him you don't need to trade hoganider to get him yeah 
and a draft pick of some sort. Can you or get multiple? A, a mul- yeah, or you know what I mean? Yeah, you, I, like I think the Tanner Janot deal last year? Maybe not quite as expensive, right? But he's UFA at the end of the year. There's no control. Yeah. So he has 21 points in 36 games. Big yeah. center, can play wing, can score a little bit, has some talent. But he's not a, you know, he's not, he's not a game breaker by any sense. No, like, this isn't another middle six type player. But maybe he can play in your top six to some degree, right? If you want to keep Kuzmenko, you want to keep Hoaglander, and you don't want to rock the boat, those are the types of players you go after. Yeah. But given everything we've heard about this team and what they're looking for, are they looking for something greater and better? Yeah. And if they're looking for something greater and better, the two names we've heard, of course, at Lindholm and Gensel. Friedman mentioned there are three to five other names, you know, three to four other names that they're looking at as well. We'll talk to Earth about that as well. But I mean, when you look at the trade market, like the guys that you see, Gensel, Lindholm, Tarasenko, right, Henrik. You go, go through the list of players, like the UFA scores, top six guys, like it's a very short list. Mm-hmm. There aren't a ton of guys that are UFA rentals that profile as top six players. No, and, you know, you're looking at Anthony Mantha with 12 goals and it's like, yeah, he's got some size. We know they like size, but, you know, it's 5.7 against the cap. Again, that's a prohibitive number. Yeah. Sure, maybe they would retain, but again, it's an expensive player that's, got 12 goals in 40 games. Like, what are we talking about here? Yeah. You know, it's not all that interesting. Adam Henrique is is a nice player and a good two-way player, but is he a top six guy that you're really looking for? It doesn't feel that way to me. Sean Monaghan, I know he's been good in Montreal, but you're going to ask him to come in here and be a top six player for you with with the Vancouver Canucks? That's, I have that's a doubts. big ask, it right? Is. Now, he is playing like 18 minutes a game. Yeah. He's done a good job there, right? I mean, and, and the guys that you, you would want, like Stamkos, they came out and said they're not trading him. No. Right? And Toffoli, as long as the Devils, he had a hat trick last night, as long as the Devils are in a playoff run, I don't think they're trading Toffoli, but no. he'd befit a guy that you would, you'd be looking at. But even those guys, like you're not even sure they're going to be available. Like even Gensel, like what if Pittsburgh uh, stops scoring uh, in, their own uh, in their own net? Maybe they start winning games and then he's off the market. Yeah. You know, and then, then all of a sudden you're just looking at three or four players. You know, and like that list is very, very short this season. Well, and that, like, that also will mean that the market for the buyers is going to be that much more expensive. It will be right, and and maybe like a team like Seattle. What are they? What are they going to do with Jordan Eberle? Yeah, but how big of a solution is a guy who's thirty four and has seven goals so far this year? He's not really. You know, like out of Seattle, the player I would want is probably Yanni Gord. Yeah. But I don't know if he's even available out of the Seattle Kraken. No, the price might be high for that. But I mean, if you're trading, you know, if you're trading significant assets for a rental, I mean, I'd rather just do it for Gord. Yeah. But again, is he going to be available? Like, there, Ron Francis is very conservative. I can see him trading a couple of UFAs. I'm not sure he's trading guys with term yeah. left that he likes. It, like Larson, even on the back end. Like, I don't know if he makes those moves at the deadline. Yeah, probably not. And... You know, the in the idea of, hey, the buyers are going to be honing in on a couple of players, you know, like Vegas looks like they, they're going to add. They always add ahead of the deadline as they have ever yeah. since they got in the league. Are they going to be looking at a Jake Gensel or an Elias Lindholm or whomever it might be? When The fact that there is only a couple of real standout players at the deadline this year uh, does, does hurt uh, the Canucks as... You know, they try to get something done that maybe isn't too expensive, but also helps them get a little bit closer to being a top end talent team. Exactly. And I see the text about, you know, uh, Boone Jenner, even Ryan O'Reilly and um, uh, and even some other players, too, uh, that have term like Alex Tuck. 
they have to become available. I'm all for it, the guys that have some term, but there's no indication any of those guys are available or will be available yeah. anytime soon. And uh, O'Reilly doesn't want to go to a Canadian market, as he uh, <laughs> yes. made pretty clear. So has the entry NTC and all that. Yeah, but if they're if they're available, the, I could see the Canucks go after a player like that. Yeah, and maybe they know something we don't know, and hopefully they do because that would make it very exciting. Uh, we'll talk more about this with Irfan Gaffar, his take on what the Canucks are looking to do ahead of the deadline. It's Dan Riccio, Satyar Shaw. You are listening to Canucks Central. Hitting the most important topics for Vancouver sports fans. The People's Show with Vic Nazar. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.